just want to share a little bit what the Holy Spirit's been doing um, in my life and what I believe he is continuing to do in your life and in the body and just what a time to be alive and be a part of the body of Christ in this hour. Um, John 1 verse 6, we'll read verses 6 and on. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear a witness of that light. Verse 9. <clears throat> well, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. We have a problem here because the created does not know the creator. Verse 11, he came to his own. You can interpret that any way you want to, whether it was his native people, whether it was those that were part of the Jewish community. Um, but he, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. And I, I just love here, if we can go to verse 12, it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. That's such a beautiful scripture there. And well, Father, we just thank you this evening, Lord, that you've opened up, Lord, such a time of opportunity here this evening, God. And we want to be, we want to be sensitive to your voice, to your leading, God, and understand, Lord, how how big this moment is, yet how fragile it is, God. So many people make lifelong decisions based on what I'm probably going to preach here today, God. And so we pray, God, that I would decrease and that you may increase. Lord, that it may not be me speaking out of my own opinion, out of preference, out of my own ideology. Let me not be opinionated today, God, but give me revelation knowledge of your truth today, God. I am not the light. I am a witness of it. And Father, ultimately, I understand that if I'm going to echo anyone's voice, let it be yours today. I'm going to speak from the throne room, from the heart of our Father. Amend the brokenhearted, transform, renew, refresh us, God. Even as we enter into this new autumn season, fall season, God, we pray that we would finish this year strong. And that, Lord, we would love you and see you in a whole different light today as we preach and demonstrate Jesus. And we love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name and the church said, amen. Amen. You could have a seat right there where you're at and uh, wow. Just want to say really quick, my wife is with me, Angelie, Pastor Angie, she's there with me. Amen. <laughs> and I got a couple of other uh, of our people from our church that they've accompanied us as well. Amen. Um, and so this this evening, um, I really felt like I was I was assigned I was assigned by the Lord um, to speak, and, and and I don't have as per usual I would have a title or a tag or something for this sermon. And I was really trying to find one, maybe something that's really cool, something that we can, you know, say, wow, what a title, what a topic. Um, but I, I, I don't really have one. Um, but I, I just really want to talk about um, the importance of enjoying the presence of Jesus. Um, and notice I didn't say the importance of being in the presence. I said the importance of enjoying the presence. Um, and so if you want to title this anything, I, I, I guess you can title it. Um, enjoying his presence or the enjoyment in his presence. Um, <clears throat> nearly 400 years ago, a group of Puritan preachers and elders came together and produced what some know or, or may not know, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Some of you maybe have heard of it or never have heard of it, and that's okay. I'll give you a short synopsis of what it is. This Shorter Catechism is a little document that has been used 
all over the English-speaking world ever since they came up with it and uh, wrote it. So it was literally a, com a community of Puritan preachers. They came up with this document. And this document simply teaches the basic doctrines of Christianity. Um, and there you can find about the Trinity, um, what the Bible really says about the Trinity. Um, you can find about sin and the fall of man, the redemption of man. Um, within that doctrine, you can um, also learn about what happens when you die, what's the afterlife, what does the Bible say happens to people when they pass, it talks about eternity, talks about the millennial reign, all these things that we would um, create our, our, our church doctrine around, right? Um, but in this shorter catechism document or, uh, that they wrote, it was laid out as a series of uh, questions and answers. So it was a Q&A actually that arose and they wanted to answer these questions because how many know we live in a time where people have more questions than we have answers, right? Um, and, that, and that's true and that's been true since the beginning of time. And so they said, let's at least answer some 16 basic questions, some fundamentals where people can begin to build their Christian faith upon. Um, and one of them, one of the questions that they have in this document is, what are we here for? And what is the purpose and duty in life? The document, to shorten it, asks this question. What is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? After everything we've done, after everything we do, after every place we've gone to, after living years, after year, after year, after year on this earth, what is the chief end of man? What is man here for? What is the purpose and duty in man's life? And the answer that these Puritan preachers gave was simple. It says, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him. That was the end of man. In other words, when you were, if you, in other words, we, we can say it is the sum total of God creating mankind, the human race, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Simple enough for anyone to understand it difficult for us to really practice that what is the chief end of man well, it is to glorify God they came up with two things they said you know what out of everything that we can teach them because we have so many subjects and so many things to say about purpose and what our purpose is they said we have to summarize this some way somehow simplify for people for they can begin to walk in what's the chief end of man what is the purpose in, in which God created man so let's Simplify, and it is number one, to glorify God. <clears throat> number two, it is to enjoy him. Now, that's a pretty amazing, awesome summary of the Christian life. That our purpose, our duty, the thing that God created us to do, and what Jesus redeemed us for, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. My take on this, as I observe the body of Christ and I have, as I have been a part of the church since I was in diapers, <laughs> literally, and as, as I have been more than 15 years in ministry and serving the church, serving the local church, being a part of the local community of God's people, I would say, and my take on this is that I don't believe we have done this, nor do we do this in the fullness of this declaration. I think most of us, the vast majority of people in church, Christians, believers, disciples, we do this in partiality because most of us declare we glorify God, but most people don't enjoy God. And so there is this, there is this, uh, there, there is these, uh, there's two sides of these, of these extremes where all we want to do is glorify him. And then we got like these really like almost three percenters that say all we want to do is enjoy him and and so we have to learn how to how to marry the two so that we can really not just discover but we can walk in the purpose that God's created us for I would say that we cannot fully glorify God until we learn to enjoy him 
Religion doesn't teach you how to enjoy God. Religion teaches you how to glorify him. But if you, in your definition of glorifying God, does not involve enjoying him, then we're not glorifying God altogether. We have glorified a religion. We have glorified a rule book. We have exalted a list of do's and don'ts. And so it teaches us to enjoy him, to worship him. But when you really begin to understand through experience that worship is never an obligation, worship is always a response to the one that you've been called to adore and enjoy forever. See, there is this realm in worship, and I um, just really want to share what's, what, what God's been placing in me for this, for this, for this moment here. There is this realm in worship where you can simply, without any complications, without anything that's too profound, where you can simply lay out with him and enjoy him in the very way that a child can enjoy being with their father. It's what the Bible would call childlike faith. Not childish, childlike. Childlike faith. That's what the Bible would say that when Jesus would come into the villages, into the towns, I love because there's a, there's a version that says, and they were filled with awe. Another version would say that when they would see what Jesus would do and the miracles he would perform, and he would put God's power and his compassion on display, it says that their eyes were open wide with wonder as a child. This is the essence of real worship. That there is a realm in worship where we pass that place of, well, let me just raise my, raise my hand because they said raise your hand. Let me just not just say something out of my mouth because they said, can we, come on, can we make some noise here, right? Or I'm going to press in because I know it's the right thing to do. Or I'm going to push because I know it's the only thing that can get me through it. No, I believe that there is a realm, there is a place in worship that is locked up for those who are childlike and say, I want to enjoy the one I'm actually praising and worshiping and exalting and adoring. And when this happens, we'll go from just living as casual, ordinary Christians, and we will really begin to walk in the fullness of Christ because that is the Father's will in our life. And it is the Holy Spirit that allows this to happen. He, he, is, he is inch by inch, drip by drip. He is little by little. He's processing us. Come on, as the human race, as creation, that Christ may grow in us. And so I begin to enjoy him. I begin, I lay out in his presence. I don't care about how it looks like. I don't care what they say. Opinions don't matter. I've learned and I've discovered the power in enjoying the one I'm worshiping. And so we're not just singing songs. Please understand that. Singing worship songs is not worship. Singing worship songs is a vehicle into worship. Y'all hearing me? So singing a song can never substitute worship. Singing a song is not a substitute to lifestyle. Anyone can come into this place where they have a sing-along. What becomes the difference is not the words we're saying. It's the intention of our hearts. And the only way that the Father can get our attention and the only way that we can draw our attention to him and the only way that the father can give us his affection here it is 
And the only way that we can give our affection back to him is by dealing with the intention. It's by dealing with what's deeply embedded in our hearts. And if we were to be real this evening, and if we were to be transparent with God, with ourselves, and perhaps with one or two people that are next to us, we will realize that most of us say things to God we really don't have conviction of. Because we've developed a language in church we know nothing of at home. And so I believe what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do is deal with the intentions of men's heart. Because God wants to do more than what you even dare to ask him for. God wants to reveal and show you and grow you and mature you in ways that you have not even the minimal idea in your finite mind and your limited understanding of everything that we read and everything we see. God wants to do even more. That your best days are not behind you, they're ahead of you. But in order for these things to happen and for us to take grip of what God has declared over our life, he wants to deal with our hearts. Like, let me please, let me, I, I want us to understand, this is so simple. This does not start here, it starts when we leave this place. And the only way that we're able to cause impact and be a people of influence is that God engages with us and we engage with him. See, it's no secret that God deserves worship. We know that. But I believe the realm that God wants to unlock in every person here today is the realm of enjoying his presence. Our Heavenly Father is literally, and I wrote this down, even as I was walking, I, I, I was walking, as I was riding over here, um, Holy Spirit said, I've given permission for my people to enjoy me. You've been given permission to enjoy the creator. But he must pass from being a creator to being your father. How many here have ever fallen asleep praying? Nobody. You probably ain't pressed in long enough then. Come on, right? Fall and see praying. They said, that's never happened to me. You probably ain't never prayed. Past two minutes. Come on. I mean praying, praying. Come on. Mount of Olives praying. Gethsemane prayers. Going in. You, I'm talking about like a prayer in crisis. Everyone, anyone ever prayed in crisis? Come on. Where if God don't break in, I'll break down type thing. You know what I'm saying? Like praying, praying, not just these little things that we say in the morning. Thank you, God, for waking me up. And, you know, I'm going on my day. I'm talking about praying, praying, praying. And when you go in, I've had so many of those. And I remember there was one specific time where I, I was going through this time of just intense praying, praying and praying and praying. It was like six months I know time, time is just flowing, <clears throat> but I was, I was like six months praying and um, I was actually doing it behind my house, like in these woods that, that I had. It sounds creepy, but it's not, <laughs> but I, the Lord, the Lord had commissioned me, had um, and commissioned, to, commissioned me. And now in my renewed mind, I understand it was not just God commissioning me, it was God inviting me. And, and um, I would pray there like for six months straight every night until like five in the morning from like 10 o'clock at night praying, going in, going in. And, <clears throat> excuse me, remember one of those nights I fell asleep. Now you fall asleep in the woods, you know, it's all type of stuff. But I fought, and I, I wasn't alone. I was with one of my guys and we were praying and we did six months together that street. And I remember I had fallen asleep and I had... Um, I realized that I fall asleep and I don't know how long I was sleeping. So I asked one of my guys, he said, man, you've been out for a while. I said, oh man, and you know, I felt so bummed. I felt like, man, God, I missed you. You called me for this. Here I am sleeping. I was frustrated, I was upset. And I even felt like, 
God was angry at me because I, I, I fell asleep while he was, I guess, in one way or another, trying to deal with me, work with me, speak to me, whatever it is that I was thinking that God wanted to do. And, and I remember I got this maybe weeks ago, weeks after that, I, I got this revelation that changed me. And the revelation was so simple, but because of what I was going through and the inner frustration I was dealing with for falling asleep, I needed to understand that this was what God was telling me. And God says, you've been frustrated and angry at yourself for falling asleep while I called you to pray. And he says, would you ever fall asleep or would you ever be angry if your son fell asleep in your arms? I said, I said, no, God, I would never. He says, I've never told you that I was angry at you. You fell asleep in my arms while you were talking to me. And I wish I can say, listen, that I had a dream and God revealed this vision to me when I was there, but it wasn't. God just simply told me, what I'm inviting you to is, 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 is far more than a manifestation. What I'm inviting to, what, what I'm inviting you to is to just spend time with me. Far more than any words can utter, human words. Because sometimes we don't have words to even express his goodness, his kindness. And anything you say to try to exaggerate it is obsolete. It's illegal because you can't exaggerate how good he is. So sometimes you don't have the language, but you have the presence. Actually, one of the things that we teach our ministers and those that work with us, pastoral care, one of the things that I've learned is when someone is grieving, you have no words to say. Presence is everything. When someone is grieving, when someone lost a loved one, when someone is mourning, when someone is going through it, sometimes you don't know what to say because if you say something, it might really just trigger something. Why you say that? You know, you really don't know what to say. So you just stay there on the phone and you let them vent, you let them talk. I've literally, how many have you ever had that happen to them? Right? Boom, 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 boom. How many, matter of fact, how many have ever had someone tell them, Kay, can I get some advice? Hey, yo, hey, hey, yo, Pastor Marcus, can we talk? Sure. You're 50 minutes on the phone. You've not said one word. And they say, you know, I feel so much better. <laughs> so do I. That's it. Yeah, we good, man. Shh. They're encouraged. They come to service. Ah! You ain't say nothing, but you were there. Ah, I wish I had someone that would catch that. You were, you didn't say a word. There was no human word that you can utter to that person. They didn't even let you talk. But the very fact that they knew you were present. And I'm telling you, some of y'all like, well, God don't hear me. God don't talk to me. And God saying, I want you to know I'm present in every moment of your life. I don't miss a moment. I'm a, I don't miss a beat. I don't miss a season. I am God and I am with you, my child. And in return, please hear me, because this is what I want to get to. In return, what God is saying is, I don't always want you to tell me something. I just want you to be with me. Not because God is lonely. Come on. God is not schizophrenic. God doesn't need us. He desires us. And God gives us permission, not just as his created beings, but as his children. There is an invitation from the Father. He's given us permission. He's given us access. And he said, I just want to spend time with you. Don't ask me for anything. I don't want to ask you for anything. Come on. It's not always about sacrifice. Sometimes it's just about being there in the same place, feeling the same space. That's the realm that God wants us to unlock because we've been given permission by the ultimate finished work, the atoning work, the redemptive work of Jesus. It's more than just saving us. Got a bunch of saved, miserable people in church. They're saved to heaven. Come on. But God is saying, I'm calling you for more. I want you to enjoy this relationship because if you understood how much I love you, baby, doesn't just want our attention. He wants our affection. And anything that I, anything that he is asking me for, he doesn't ask anything. He's not willing to give himself. Please understand that. That the one who initiates the giving is God always. He does not ask anything from us that he is not willing to give himself. Read John 3.16, tells us right there. He's the one that initiates giving. 
And when we give back to God, it's not on the basis of some type of bargain that we've made with him. Come on. It's not based on any manipulation or God's narcissistic way of getting us to do what he wants to do or what he wants us to do. Everything we give to God, everything we bring to him is a response of looking and gazing upon who he is. See, I believe what God's after is the intentions of the heart. You can be saved, involved in church, serving in a group, and not be engaged in the presence of God. I get it. I understand. I'm a pastor. I'm a senior leader. But all, we, we all have, and that's why I love the heart of this house and the heart of your leaders. We all have a responsibility to cultivate presence beyond this sanctuary. Let you become the sanctuary. And for us to really be fully engaged, I'm going to shift some gears here. For us to be truly engaged with what and how God's designed and wired us to be. There has to be more than ever, church, please. I have a commitment with God's word. More than ever, there must be a willingness to disengage from the world's present culture. There must be a willingness to disengage from culture. And so the question becomes, how can we be in this world, not be of it, but still be capable of influencing it? How do we stay saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, come on somebody, and still be in a world that is contaminated, full of toxicity? In a world that is anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-word, anti-truth, come on. How do I do that and understand that I'm not from it? Very simple. It's by being engaged in the fullness of who he is. And the problem is we're getting a model from everywhere except him. Say it again. We're getting a model from everywhere except him. You want to know what true humility looks like? Look at the humble man. Want to know what true meekness looks like? Look at the meek one. But when we get it from anything other than who he is, We will live disengaged from who he is and we'll be engaged with the present cosmos, this world, this culture, with society. And you know what? How difficult it is to influence a culture you're totally engaged with. So there's this willingness to say, God, I want you to light up every dark area, every dark corner in my life. And when this happens, everything else falls in place. When this happens, revival happens in the church by result, by default, by secondary consequence of him filling all in all. And then you won't try to go crazy trying to balance your life, but in him, everything is balanced. God's not, Jesus is not just for this. He's for everything. We involve him in all that he is. And so there's a couple of series of questions really quick that I'm asked. Number one is, how well do you host his presence? How do you host his presence? How well do you host it? Number two, does he have your attention and your affection? Number three, what are the intentions of your heart? Number four, does your heart beat for him? Last one, number five. Do you have burning desire to not just know his works, but to follow his ways? You and I, church, you and I are the maximum expression of his creation. Nothing else created compares to how he made man. You and God 
are literally the greatest love story that will ever be told. You and I are God's maximum expression. In other words, God is the creator. All creativity and genius and intelligence comes from him. He is the master designer. Come on. Talk about even those who don't serve the Lord, atheist, agnostic, whatever you want to, whatever, unchurched, unbeliever, unsaved, even their creativity, these geniuses, these masterminds, that all came from God. <laughs> Come on. And deeply embedded in their DNA, it's creative. It's the creative side of God, God as creator. And when God makes man, when he makes you and I, you guys, you and I are the, ma- are the maximum expression of creation. You and God are the greatest love story ever told. What's the problem? We don't tell the love story enough. We don't tell this love story enough to people. That's why most people have no idea how to personally evangelize people. Because they've been stuck on, well, let me get how many Bible verses I can get. How about I even tell them about Jesus loves them? How do I tell them about this, this, and that? And if you were to just talk about your love story. Come on. And what it is, here it is. This love story is an ongoing celebration. Somebody shout celebration. celebration. This love story is an ongoing fest, festival, celebration. It's literally a love fest that is happening. I want you to understand this. It's a love fest. And these next few moments, I'm going to close with this. It's a love fest that's happening. It's a, it's a, it's a celebration. Come on. Can I help somebody's theology? And in this celebration, you've made it all about him. But in his celebration, he's made it all about you. Hello, prodigal son. Hello, the father. Do you understand that in that story, the son made it all about him feeling inferior because of what he's been through? But the father made it all about the son coming home. That, that that, That when the son finally came home, it did not matter where he was. In this love fest celebration, you make him the center of it all. And you know what he does? He makes you the center of it all. This is not heresy. This is Bible. We're about to get there. Promise you in these next 10 minutes that I have, I pray that you will be infused with the greatest love ever given to man. It's the love of the father. These next 10 minutes, I promise you. Matter of fact, we get the keyboard player up here because I feel like when I got someone playing, I I, I just feel like, you know, we're going to close it. If I don't get a a keyboard player, I might continue. But that almost forces me to say I got to close the message. You got me? Yeah, yeah. Now, something happens with keyboard players, man. So I don't know what's going to happen with you there, but let's see what happens. We'll, We'll see where this takes us. We're in this ongoing love fest. You ready for this? Here's the question. Here's the question of this love fest. The question is, who's going to outdo who in love? I know because you got your own type of love. Pastor Rose said at Matrix Camp, I loved it. He said, the problem is we have our own definition of love. And we're trying to love through that definition. But we don't define love. He does. The question in this love fest is who's going to outdo who in love? The narrative changes. Hear this, please. The narrative changes where the created is actually being invited by the creator to partake of his nature every single day, 365 days a year. We're invited to partake of this love. And this is where, here it is, this is where we actually become one because he pours himself on us and we pour ourselves on him. And guess what? He is the high priest of the high priest and he is not offended by your weakness. 
we're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about Jesus here. You can't touch him with leprosy. You understand what the law says? Well, I'll go to him. Because the law will keep him from engaging with me. But I know a man, said John, who came filled with grace and truth. That's the man that I've come to introduce. John said, I'm talking about that marvelous, that beautiful light. I ain't the light. Please don't misinterpret it. I'm not even worthy of unloosening the thong of his sandal. But when he comes, you'll know it. When he comes, you'll know it. Because he's full of radiant light. He's full of himself. The quality of our worship and the quality of our relationship with God is determined by how much we are willing to give back to him. Whatever you give back to God, it will never leave your life. Can I say it again? Whatever you're willing to give back to him, it will never leave your life because you understand that he first initiated the giving. See, people say, I heard this all the time in church when I was being raised. God don't share his glory with anyone. Well, you've never read John 17. And I never read it before when I was in my religious days. So I thought, God don't share none of that. And when I read John 17, you know, years ago, and even now it's being refreshed in me, I understand that God shares it with those who are have this willingness to give it back to him. You understand the narrative here that the creator is giving permission to the created ones to share in his prestige and share in his glory. Come on. And share in his holiness. It's the only way. It's the only way that be holy as I am holy works. It's the, it's the only way. John 17, are we, are we there? Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son also may glorify you. Stop right there. Jesus saying, Father, glorify me. When you do this, I'll glorify you. Here it is. Because you're in there too. You in that mix. Here it is. Verse 2. You have given me authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Verse 3. And this is eternal life that they may know you. You, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you, you have sent. Verse 4, hear this. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work with you, which you have given me to do. And now, oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was named. Let's go to verse 22, verse 22. And the glory, here it is, which you gave me, I have given them. Who's them? For whosoever believe. And John chapter one says, not born of flesh and blood, this wasn't biologically yours, but to all those who received them, I feel like preaching. He gave them the right to be called sons of God, not by human will, that any man may boast, but by the will of the Father who, in, who, who gave all things to his son Jesus. Where is the glory now? The glory is not in heaven. The glory is not in the garden. The glory is inside of those who are called his own. But you gave me to give them. Verse 23. In them, in you and me, that they may be perfect and one. And that the world may... See, here's the problem. We read the word like we're sinners. Me, understand this. He gave me this glory and he put it on the inside of me. This glory he's talking about is not an atmosphere, but it changes them. This glory is not a service, but it, it impacts the service. It impacts wherever. Behold. Somebody shout, behold. behold. We've all heard you become what you. Here's the issue with that. The issue is you'll continue to behold the wrong thing until you discover what you were created to behold. Yeah. 
reason you're still living as a victim is because you're st- you're continuing to behold victimization. You're continuing to behold trauma. You continue to behold your hurt. You can my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. If this is true as he is so am I. That means he loved me before I ever said I don't want him. Before I ever resisted him. He loved me. Before you ever messed up, before you ever got divorced, before you ever had the breakup, before you were ever molested, before you were ever traumatized, before you were ever abandoned, before you were ever left alone, before you were ever left fatherless, motherless, in a single mom, a single parent home. Come on. Before all of that, before the foundation, the, the, the son gives the father back the glory. The Holy Spirit comes, takes residence in those who believe him and become God's child. And while the Holy Spirit is inside of us, we, he joins together with our groaning and we say, Abba. And when he hears our cry, we, he gives us glory because now we're part and we're one with him. And when he gives us this glory, we give it back to him. The scenario is what I said in the beginning is who's going to outdo who in this love fest? Because we think he only wants our attention. And what you don't know is he wants to give you his. Because love withholds nothing and love is not selfish. It is selfless. Do you know that the relationship between the triune God, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three in one, different, you know, we understand all that. Three in one. This is the only relationship that Holy Spirit doesn't feel like a third wheel. (laughs) It's the only relationship where three are involved and all three equally share the same. You're not equally dividing it. It's one in the same. And and what does the Father, Son, Holy Spirit do? They invite you in. And you're not the fourth wheel. Share with all that they have. But if you don't believe it, and you will never walk in it. They come. We become one in them and they become one in us. It's the relationship of oneness. He He clothes you in glory and you give it back. He clothes you with honor and you share the honor back to him. He says, come here, child, sit with me. Yeah, here it is. Come sit with me. Let me seat you in high places. Ephesians 2. And while you're seated in high places, I'm going to crown you with beauty. I'm going to crown you with royalty, with prestige. I'm going to take off all that rubbish. I'm going to take off all that, that, that the world put on you, all the labels. And I'm going to crown you now with my beauty, with my prestige, with my royalty. He says, because you don't know who you are. But I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to crown you to help you recover. Come on, recover who you were always designed and created to be. Life. Life. is not about knowing. It's about rediscovering. He says, you don't know who you are, son. Sit right here. Let me do it on. Let me give you a whole royal treatment. Yeah. And when he does this, hear this, because this is a love fest. When he does this, you look at him and you say, you're right. I didn't know who I was. And if I got a name, it's because of you. And you know what you do? You get that crown. You get it back to him. Revelations 4, last verse. Verse 10. So the the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord. People don't give money not because they don't have it because they're beholding the wrong thing. That's the problem in giving. It's not a pocket issue, it's an intention issue. And I look at him because the creator has created such a weak, create such a, you give it back. 
when he gives you glory, you give it back and you outdo each other in love. And you never go without morality because in other words, he behaves well. <laughs> Imagine, well, God, you behave today, so I'm going to call you holy. No, no. He's holy and the Bible says everything exists by him. He is faithful and true. His holiness, what it means is he is in a whole separate category. None like him. Come on, we, we give to him. The creator kisses the created and the created kisses the creator. And nobody outdoes nobody because it's not a competition. It's an intention thing. I believe what the Lord wants to speak and do in our lives is continue to conform us and transform us into the perfect image of the perfect man named Jesus. Listen. More than what we've encountered, more than a, more than a church service, he wants to overwhelm us with the riches of his kingdom. Who can he trust with them? Those that say, it's back to you. Those that give it back. It's a constant exchange. So that when you're weak, you're strong. Because it's in you. Would you stand this evening? God's going to deal with personal failure today. I felt that just now. God's going to deal with failure today. There's some of you that I'm looking at and you've labeled yourself as failure. You know, sometimes you don't need anyone to tell you anything. You convince yourself that that's what you are. God today wants to change the way you think about yourself. God's not mad at you. God's mad about you. And if he can give you just, just a little taste, because even what we think it's fullness, Apostle Peter said, we, everything we do is in part. We prophesy in part. We, everything. Even our love, we love in part. But when the fullness of time comes, man, and we're up there with him, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to unite with the elders. Oh, this is what y'all do. <laughs> Let's do it with you. We're not looking to be crowned, but he crowns us. We're not looking to be honored. He, not, he, he honors us. We're not looking to be glorified. He glorifies us. God wants to deal with, your, with you today. God wants to deal with what you convinced yourself that you are and you're not. Because you are far, far from what he's designed you and created you to be. God wants to deal with failure today failure failure in the room there's failure in this room today but the father's in the room too <laughs> who's gonna win i'm gonna go with daddy right i'm gonna go with him because the rock always wins i'm I'm going to go, I'm going to side with him today. Some of you opened businesses maybe years ago. You failed them and failed at them. You said, I'm never going to do that again. Some of y'all feel as a failure, like a failure as a father, failure as a spouse. Maybe, maybe you have failed. That's, that, that's the reality, but it's not who you are. God wants to deal with that today. As he overwhelms you with his love and as he, and, and, and as he pours this love on you, there is something that's going to break in you, shift in you. And you're going to say, I want to give it all back. And God says, rather than pour it all on me, pour it on others. Because it can't, I, I got enough of it. The intention today, the intention. God wants to deal with intention. And if he can get our intentions right, the attention 
and affection matter won't even be an issue. We'll give it all to him. So Lord, we thank you this evening for your word. Lord, there's no error in your word. It is the infallible word. We thank you that we can find peace and joy and abundance in it. We pray, Lord, that more than ever, you would overwhelm us with all that you are. For so many, even this evening, came overwhelmed by their failure, came overwhelmed by their by their sin, by their mistakes. Lord, today that ends that you would silence the voice of the accuser and that we would know, Lord, that we have an advocate with the Father this evening, that you would invite all of us into that love fest celebration. We thank you, Lord. We pray that every person here today, God, will stop convincing themselves that they're not who you've made them to be. That they would step in and embrace the fullness of what you've designed and created them for. If that's you, I want you to make your way here. I want to pray with you. I have some time for personal ministry. If that's you, I want you to come. I don't care if that's everybody. I got time. I don't know how much time. We, we, everyone has, but I, I got time today. Because I almost didn't make it. The traffic was heavy, but we're here. And, we're, and, and we want to lay hands and minister. As the worship team just begins to worship through song, I want you just to begin to engage. Just engage as the as the love of the Father comes. Thank you, Father.